Welcome to this message from Eastwood Baptist Church, one church with two locations in Bowling Green and Alberton, Kentucky. To learn more, visit eastwoodbc.org. Now, may the Lord bless you in the hearing of His Holy Word. What is up, man? What a good group tonight. Good to see you all. So thankful to have you all here. You know, one of my joys, like I said last week, is seeing you all in the middle of the week. Um, you know, the church, just, just imagine for a moment a church that you didn't get to see each other at all, right, in the middle of the week. That, that would be terrible. So I'm so thankful for this opportunity uh, to come together because the Christian life is meant to be lived out and, and, and with one another. So it's so good to see you. Um, grab your copy of God's Word and go with me to Matthew 13. Uh, I feel like we've been in Matthew 13 for a while now, and that's just because it is chock full of parables. I mean, it is so full of good teaching from Jesus Christ. You know, as you think about some of the best stories you've ever heard, a lot of them tend to deal with treasure, finding treasure, or stealing treasure. <laughs> it's usually one of those, right? You're either searching for it or you're stealing it. Uh, like the, in the Indiana Jones movies. Think about all the treasures he was trying to find there, or... Uh, one of my favorites, the Ocean's Eleven series. Uh, those are so well done, so good. Uh, or maybe the, the classic Robert Louis Stevenson book, Treasure Island. How many of y'all read Treasure Island? Yeah, right? So while buried treasure is one of those things that sounds like it only happens in the movies or it only happens in stories, that's not the case. Buried treasure still exists, and buried treasure is still being Found. You see, throughout history, valuable objects, coins, jewelry, crowns, they, they've been either deliberately buried. For instance, the, the Russian monarch, when they were taken over there in Russia, when the, 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 the I guess it was, the, I guess it was the, the Soviet Revolution, the Bolshevik Revolution, uh, the family knew they were going to be caught, captured, and killed. They did everything in their power to hide all of their jewels so that the Bolsheviks or the Soviets didn't get it. And so they're still finding stuff to this day. But to the joy of the treasure seeker or the fortunate dude that just happened to stumble upon it, many of these treasures have been found. Here are a few just of the most valuable, most extensive treasure troves ever brought to light. We go all the way back to 1840. All the way back in 1840, while repairing the embankment of a river, the River Ribble, there in Coordale, near Preston in England, a group of workmen dug up a lead box. If you dig up a lead box, you think, yes, right? And inside was one of the biggest hordes of Viking treasure ever found. More than 8,600 items were in this box. It wasn't just English Viking kingdoms that were, that were uh, represented there. There were Scandinavian, Italy, Byzant uh, Byzantium. I mean, all these different Viking treasures, all right? So it was presented to Queen Victoria, and some of it now is on display in the British Museum. And Christy, you may have seen it when you were over there, right? Did you go to the British Museum? Yeah. Christy lived there for, a, for, a, for six months or something like that, or three months, four months. Something. Anyway, so um, the workmen who found it, they, they managed to grab one of the coins uh, before they gave it to Queen Victoria. Back in 1985, that wasn't that long ago, this old building in this Polish town of Sroda, Slotska, it was being demolished ahead of renovation works when they found this vase. Found beneath the foundation and inside that vase was more than 3,000 silver coins dating back to the 14th century. 
couple of years later, this, this other building nearby was knocked down. Even more artifacts were uncovered, including gold this time, along with silver and this array of jewelry, including a golden crown and a, and a ring bearing a, you know, the seal or the head of a dragon. Uh, it's known as the Sroda treasure. It's valued at 120 million dollars. Could you imagine? I mean, I would probably just die right there, just heart attack, boom, I'm out, right? Or be like Scrooge McDuck, McDuck and start swimming through it, I don't know which, right? 1992, again, that's sooner than 19, that's not that long ago. I, I, was, I remember that year very well. This farmer named Peter Watling, he lost his hammer in a field. And so he called a friend, man, bring your metal detector over and help me find this hammer. I really want my hammer back. Instead of finding the hammer, he found treasure. He found this oak chest with a collection of silver spoons, gold jewelry, coins. I mean, all dating back to the 4th and 5th centuries there in England. And with his help, he managed to get all these things. Roman ladles, serving bowls. Again, British Museum buys it. Bought it for $3.8 million. $3.8 million. Right in the field. He was, lost his hammer. And then the, the most recent one that, that I found is pretty interesting, 2009, again, a decade ago, right? Terry Herbert was using his metal detector. I think we need to go buy metal detectors. How many of you guys own a metal detector? Oh my goodness, y'all about to get rich maybe. He was plowing, or he was, he was metal detecting in this recently plowed field again in England when he stumbled across this, this, the largest trove of Anglo-Saxon uh, treasure ever found. 3,500 items, most were military-related. Um, it changed the way they looked at history, you know, everything that was found in there. It was valued at $4.1 million. Tonight, as we continue in our series called Let Him Hear, the parables of Jesus, Jesus communicates a very important truth, or a couple of very important truths for us that uses buried treasures and fine pearls. In other words, he uses these to illustrate the truths that he wants you and me to see tonight. So the title of tonight's message is Buried Treasures and Fine Pearls. All right. Let's look at our text here. Matthew 13, verse 44 through 46. And like last week, um, I'm not able to pull the scripture up for you tonight, so you have to use your copy of God's word or trust the preacher. <laughs> Don't trust the preacher. Grab out your Bible. Even if you have to pull out a digital Bible there from your phone there. Matthew 13, 44 through 46. Now, this is probably a parable that you know really well. Last week, we looked at uh, the parable of, of, um, of, of the mustard seed and the yeast. That one's probably not as well known. I think this one, because it, it, it just grabs our attention because we, we get excited about finding treasure. This one is really well known. It's really vivid as well. And so, You've probably thought about this one before. We're going to think about it again tonight, and maybe we can learn something from one another. So Matthew 13, 44 through 46. Who'd read that for us loudly and proudly? Pray together. Fathers, we look at this parable tonight. I pray that you would help us to learn something very important about your kingdom. 
and its value. Father, I ask that if there's anybody here tonight who has not yet come to Christ, we pray that this passage of Scripture tonight would be used by the Holy Spirit to awaken them to the treasure they're missing out on, to the treasure that they're saying no to that is found in Jesus Christ. And we're not talking about silver and gold. We're talking about treasure way more valuable than that. So, Father, awaken any person who's lost tonight, we pray. And we pray they'll turn and trust in Christ. And for us who are already, for us who are already in Christ, God, may you just restore to us the joy, the wonder of our salvation. It's in Jesus' name we ask this. Amen. Amen. So basically here you have the same story twice. Jesus does this a lot, all right? It's, 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 sim- it, you know, it's one of the cultural customs, right? He says it one way. He says it a different way. He changes up a few things, kind of like we'll see later on with the parable of the coin, uh, the parable of the lost sheep, and the parable of the lost brother, right? You remember all those things? We usually call that one the prodigal son. But all three of those parables have the same message for the most part until you get the twist on the last one there. But nevertheless, Jesus is doubling up here. He's saying, if you didn't get it the first time, I'm going to hit you again with it and see if you can't get it, all right? Kind of like a movie and then it's sequel. It's kind of like, I think I've seen this before. It's the same story, just a little different, all right? But notice the basic plot of both stories. First, we see the basic plot is that first, they found something of great value. The guy here in the first parable, he has this treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field that a man found. Again, we can imagine ourselves in that situation, right? You find that treasure and the joy that comes from that. Or the next one says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one of great value does something else. So there is something found of great value here. The second plot line as we look at this is that they go and they sell everything to be able to buy it. So look at it again here. Who on finding it, he says, or which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has. We see it in the same thing in the next, in, 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 the, in the pearl parable here. Verse 46, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had. They were willing to give everything, to let go of everything so that they could get enough money to go buy the treasure that they had, that they had found. And then the third plot line here basically is this, is that they took possession of that which was valuable. And that's very key, guys, because a treasure does us no good if we don't have any part in it, if we don't own it, if it's not ours. And so they took possession of that valuable thing. Very basic plot line, right? Very basic. Found something valuable, sold everything to be able to buy it, took possession of that valuable thing. It says in the first one that he buys that field. In the second one, he simply says that he bought it. Very simple story. So what is Jesus trying to communicate for us tonight? First, he's trying to communicate this, that you and I need to recognize the incomparable value of the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven Nothing compares to its value. And he needs us to understand that, all right? It's compared to a buried treasure. Fine pearls. It's very valuable. Yet it's interesting, isn't it? A lot of folks 
when they're offered the kingdom, they don't value it. Why do you think they don't value the kingdom of heaven when it's offered to them? What are some of the reasons that they don't value it? Right. Absolutely, yeah. So they, they, they can't imagine it in that way, right? They can't just, they can't connect to it in that way, like the value of it. What else do you think? Yeah. Absolutely. Totally preoccupied with the things of this world. Anything else you think of when you think about why, why do they not see the value in it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like um, I don't know. You know. I don't know if you guys watch the History Channel, but you've got you know American Pickers or Pawn Stars. You know. I I really like both of those shows. Christy probably gets tired of me watching it. Um, but uh, I guess uh, I guess it's just, it's it's so interesting to me because I'm the type of person that sees junk and says that is junk. <laughs> I am, man. I, I mean, my dad, he's the type that will build a building to house junk. Like, I, I think he's up to like six buildings now or something like that. I mean, he, he, just, he just keeps building another building. I'm like, Dad, you got to get rid of it. And you go up on his hill. And up on his hill, I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm giving the secrets of the family away here, the family jewels here, okay? Uh, but up on, up on the hill there where there's trees and all that stuff, you go up there and there is junk there if he ever if he ever runs out of money and he needs a little something he can go junk and get metal and all this stuff and he can go sell it and he's got all this stuff up on the hill there i'm not gonna tell you his address <laughs> but there's just all sorts of stuff up there and so to me those shows are so interesting because when i see it i see junk but those folks when they see it they see rusty gold right and any of you guys like that you see rusty gold and you see junk any, yeah Oh, yeah, I've been to your house, Shannon. Absolutely, right? And uh, praise God for people like that, because it, it's me who often says, hey, Shannon, you got that? Can I borrow it? You know, that's the guy to call, right? Anybody else like that? Got a lot of antiques or rusty things around? Wood. Wood, yeah. You don't even, I don't even think about that stuff like that, all right? But oftentimes on those shows, people have no idea the value of the things that they have. That's happened to a lot of people. You know, think about, you never know what you're going to find in a thrift shop. So in like 1992, this, this woman named Terry Horton, she visited a lo- this local thrift shop in uh, San Bernardino, California. And she was looking for a birthday present for a friend, and she saw this painting. And never being a, an art expert or anything like that, she said, I'll give you $5 for it. They shook on it. She left. The big painting, it didn't fit in her friend's room, and so she tried to sell it a few years later at this yard sale. And this art teacher comes along and sees this big painting at this yard sale. She's trying to get rid of it. And he says, listen, I I don't want to take advantage of you. There's a chance from what I see here that this could be a Jackson Pollock. Now, I don't know who that is. Okay, yeah, he's one of the spatter painters. That's right. I did see it, yeah, online. It doesn't look like art to me, but it's art to people, right? It's like uh, from a Yeah, okay. Art is in the eye of the beholder, right? Okay. And so she invited this expert to come look at her painting, checked. This forensic specialist found the artist's fingerprint on the canvas. So there's no doubt. 
One art collector offered her $2 million for it. <laughs> she bought it for $5. Now, the crazy thing is, is that she didn't take the guy up on the offer. She said, I'll take $50 million for it. So I don't know if she sold it yet or not, but nevertheless, I mean, she had no idea. And the thrift store had no idea what they had. A man bought an old oil, uh, $4 oil, uh, old painting at a flea market, Adamstown, Pennsylvania, 1989. You guys might have remembered this in the news, thinking the frame could be fixed and reused. And so he removed the canvas, and when he saw it, he saw this folded paper that was stuffed in it. He opened the document, and he couldn't believe his eyes when he saw an original copy of the Declaration of Independence dated 1776. And so the head of the book and manuscript department at Sotheby's David Redden, he announced this unique discovery in 1991, but the guy who found it, he, 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 he preferred to remain anonymous. But later that year, the manuscript was auctioned for $2.4 million. Just imagine that, that, that person who sold it to him at the flea market, if they only knew what was hiding inside, you bet they would have never have sold it. Listen, when it comes to the kingdom of heaven, people often don't rightly value it. It is a masterpiece, right? It's, it's, in, it, it's infinitely valuable, yet the person doesn't see it. I, 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 when, when I read that story or think about that, I often think about the rich young ruler, right? The rich young ruler, he comes to Jesus there. He says, he comes and says, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you ask me about what's good? There's only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. And so he said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your mother and father, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, I've kept all of those. What do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you'd be perfect, he's getting ready to offer him the kingdom. Go sell what you possess and give it to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. And here's what the scripture says. So sad, so sad. So many rich young rulers in the world today. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. He went away sorrowful you compare that to the man who found the treasure in the field in Matthew 13 what does it say it says then with joy he went and sold everything he found the treasure reburied the treasure so that nobody could see it and then with joy why what was the difference he rightly recognized the value of the treasure that he had found I say to you tonight the treasure of the kingdom of heaven is of incomparable value. Nothing compares to it. That's the first thing that I think Jesus wants us to see tonight. But the second thing that I think Jesus wants us to see is this, is that we shouldn't let anything stop us from acquiring it. Right? There's that valuable thing. So we've got to recognize that, but then we shouldn't let anything stop us from acquiring it. Both people in the parable, what did they do when they found the treasure? Everything, right? They didn't hold anything back. 
because they recognized the value of it, and they weren't going to let anything stand in their way. Now, that's pretty radical, right? That's a radical statement. They sold everything? Really everything? Yeah, they sold everything because they saw what they were getting was much more valuable than what they had. You think about that treasure. I can't imagine what was in it or what that fine pearl looked like. But nevertheless, they immediately saw it and they refused to let anything stop them from acquiring what that was, that, that, the treasure and the pearl. I think about Paul. Philippians 3, 7 through 11, he says, whatever gain I had, he, he lists out all the things in his life that he had acquired. He had acquired all these honorifics and all these benchmarks in life uh, to be on tops in, in the world's eyes and the religious community's eyes and all these things. But then he says this, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of, listen to this, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. The surpassing worth, that means Ain't nothing better, right? For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Compared to Jesus, all the things in the world that might stop us from acquiring the kingdom of heaven are rubbish compared to what we have in the kingdom of heaven. That I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Listen to this, verse 11. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul said, I'm not gonna let anything, I will run through a wall if I have to, to lay hold of the kingdom of heaven. I'm, I'm going to assume, or I, I, I don't assume, I know. Most of us in here are Christians tonight. Maybe all of us in here are Christians tonight. As you think back on your testimony, and if you feel comfortable in sharing it, was there one thing in particular as you look back that really, that you kept holding on to instead of letting go and coming to Christ? Was there one thing in particular? that you feel comfortable sharing? It's all right if you don't feel comfortable. I thought I'd throw it out there. Give it a shot. At least you've thought about it in your head, right? Uh, I can share something that... Yeah. Thank you. That's, that's really helpful, Jackie. Anybody else? She broke the ice. Just Jackie. I'm not No. <laughs>
That's important. And I guess mine is uh, I need to be better with neighbors. Mm. I'm not a good neighbor. I want to go home and uh, yeah. go to my house and, sure. and start over again the next morning. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That, that's what I would probably hold mm-hmm. in arms. Away. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think back, particularly for me, because I, you know, I had a, I, I mean, it didn't look dramatic, but in my heart it was very dramatic, just like your conversion, I'm sure. Uh, when, when, the, when the Holy Spirit got on you hot and heavy, it was very dramatic in your heart, no doubt, right? Uh, I still remember sitting at, at and you've, if you've heard my testimony, I mean, sitting at, on those wooden benches at, at Vesper time at Rough River Lake at All Saints Camp in fourth grade, going into fifth grade, and still remembering the Holy Spirit being so heavy on me, calling me to salvation. Yet I kept thinking in my mind, because by nature I'm a people pleaser. I don't know what people will think if I let go. What will people think of me? What will my mom and dad think of me? What will my friends think of me? I still remember holding on to that, sort of my reputation or whatnot. It could be a number of things that people hold on to or that you held on to. But I, I just so appreciate the vividness of these parables here where they said, I'm not going to let anything stand in my way. I'm going to sell everything that I have. And Jackie, as you think about, as you share the submission part of that, I mean, that is what it requires. And, and, and it's, it's a very radical thing, right? Coming to Christ is a radical thing. Take up your cross and follow me. Die and follow me. Jesus makes this radical declaration in Luke 14, verse 25 and 26. It says, Great crowds accompanied him, and he turned to them and said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters. Yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. What a radical statement. Now, obviously, he's, he's being hyperbolic there. He doesn't literally want us to hate our mom, literally hate our dad or our wife or our own life. He's saying comparatively, You need to love me, Jesus, so much that it looks like hate to the rest of the world. Comparatively, like Paul said, it's rubbish compared to God or refuse compared to God in Jesus Christ. Now, when we think about this for a moment, they sold everything they had in this parable. And yet when they got the pearl or when they got the treasure, what they got, was it lesser or greater than everything they just sold? Way greater. (laughs) And that's the promise that we have in Jesus Christ, right? We think when we're holding on to our pride, we're holding on to our autonomy, we're holding on to that, maybe that, that, that sin that we enjoy, or, or maybe it's just simply, um, uh, the, 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 the esteem, we, we know, the esteem of other people, what people think, or whatever it is that's holding us back. We look at that thing, and it seems so beautiful and so big, and the cost seems way too great. But then when we turn and let it go and receive what God has for us, it is greater than we ever imagined.
But don't just take my word for it because Jesus himself, sort of as a parallel to what he just said to us in Luke, says this in Matthew 19, 28 and 29. Jesus says, Truly I say to you in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones. Of course, he's talking particularly to the disciples here, the apostles, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. He's representing the church here, right? These, these, these 12 thrones represent the church. And here's the promise. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. I think that eternal life is enough, right? But he says, I'm not just going to give, I'm going I'm to overflow your blessing a hundredfold. Don't let anything stand in your way and stop you from taking hold of the kingdom, from acquiring the kingdom. God in Jesus Christ has laid this before us. And for those of you who have already acquired the kingdom, the, you know, you've already been given and gifted the kingdom, the amazing thing is you look back and you actually realize you weren't looking for treasure. God was. Right? You thought you were searching, but God was the one who was searching. And by his grace, he found you and offered you this treasure. And praise God that you said yes. And again, if you're here tonight and you've not yet trusted Christ, I pray that God is pursuing you. I pray that tonight you feel like I felt right there at that Vesper service, that evening service there on Rough River Lake in probably 1991 or 1992, somewhere in that, 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 that year. The burden, the, the, the call of the Holy Spirit to give my life to Christ. And don't let anything stand in your way. Let go of it and grab a hold of Jesus. Repent of your sin and believe on Jesus. Trade your sorrow for joy. Trade your death for life. Trade your penalty for blessing. We could go on and on. Trade your measly earthly treasure for the greatest treasure you can ever have in Jesus Christ. Here's my final prayer. May you have a place in the kingdom, or say it this way, may a place in the kingdom of heaven be yours. Hi there, this is Pastor Ben. I have something really important to ask you, but first, I want to say thank you for taking the time to make this digital connection with us through our podcast. I hope the message you just listened to was a blessing, but an even greater blessing than this digital connection would be for you to connect with us in person this coming Sunday at one of Eastwood's two campuses where we get the joy of living life together in Jesus' name. And now for that really important question, which is the most important question you'll ever answer. Where do you stand before God?
Now, based on what you've done, the straightforward answer is that you stand guilty and condemned before God. You are a sinner who completely deserves God's wrath forevermore in hell. And I deserve the same thing also. I mean, every person does. Guys, that's terrible news. And even worse is the fact that there's nothing you can do in and of yourself to change that. You need a Savior. But I have good news. God loved the world so much that He sent Jesus to be your Savior. Jesus came and lived the perfect life that you cannot live, and He stood condemned on the cross, dying the death you deserve. And three days later, Jesus was raised from the dead to prove to everybody that He is indeed the Savior of the world. And now Jesus longs to change your standing before God by making a trade with you. He desires to take what you've earned, which is the wrath of God in hell, and to give you in return what he has earned, which is the blessing of God in heaven. When this trade happens, instead of standing guilty and condemned before God, you will stand forgiven and righteous with the promise of everlasting life. So what must you do to have your standing before God changed? First, admit to God you are a sinner. Second, hate your sins. Turn from them and ask God to forgive you. And finally, turn to Jesus in faith and love, putting your complete hope in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and follow him until the day you die. Wherever you are listening to this podcast, Jesus is ready to make this trade with you. And I pray that you would trust in Jesus and be saved. Thank you again for connecting with us, and I hope to see you soon at Eastwood Baptist Church.